part of you is like a character and each character wants to come out and do their thing and we have to let them out if we, yeah. if we keep them in the room they are just gonna eat us alive I, I I mean I love poetry as a vehicle for that it's a great way to celebrate aspects of me that still exist welcome to perennials a podcast about growing up getting wise and trying to live a good life I'm Victoria Russell I'm so happy to bring you part two of my conversation with Isabel Gonzalez. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can head back an episode and listen to Isabel and I talk about some of the backstory behind her first full-length collection of poems, Wild Invocations. And in the second part of our conversation, we talk a little bit about timelines in life, how A lot of us, particularly women, have these certain timelines in our head of when we're supposed to do things. And Isabel talks about what it was like and has been like for her to do things, quote unquote, later in life, like finishing her college degree and meeting her amazing partner, Chris. These are things that she grapples with in the poems. She talks about relationships and also just exploring different parts of herself and giving voice to different parts of herself through poems. And we also talk about what it's like to write poems now that she is in a really healthy, loving relationship where there's not as much tumultuous up and down tension and all of that. Um, What it's like to try to write from places of joy, to write about friendship. So it's a really sweet and I think even more personal part of the conversation that we get into. I really enjoyed it. I'm so grateful to Isabel for joining me and I think you'll enjoy it too. feel like sprinkled throughout the book there's moments where we get a glimpse of like expectations that you had for yourself versus like where you are in a given moment so there's like one line where you say I'm everything I said at 18 years old I would never be and that just like gutted me and I think you you kind of touched on with some of those relationships like Uh, There's another poem where you say, like, after seeing X after X get married, you know, and you're just wondering, like... I think this is such a crucial um, question, especially for your podcast. It's like the heart of your podcast. Yeah. And it's like, um, I got to say, I did everything, quote, unquote, late in life. Mm. Like, um, I am still not married, which is fine. I'm in a loving partnership. Um, But I found my partner at 38. Um, the other thing is I, you know, I completed my college degree at 30. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it took me like over 10 years to get that college degree. So there's so many expectations. I was, let me tell you the whole family, everybody, all my friends, they were expecting me to be a doctor because, um, I was studying pre-med and I was taking all these science courses and, you know, in the end, that was not what, there's so many ways to give back to your community. And I think that I thought, um, door A was the only door that existed. Mm. And there's so many other doors, there's so many other doors. And so that's why when I, when I think about like, even just the college experience and how you're encouraged to like select a major and like all this stuff at such an early age it's like no we're still figuring it out I'm still figuring it out close to 40 you know still figuring um all this out and I think there's no it's so important for for especially women to know there's no timeline 
take that timeline, burn it up because it is, <laughs> it's not, it's an illusion. Yeah. Um, it's an American illusion. And I feel like, um, you know, you come into your own when you come into your own and it's bit by bit, as we've talked about, you know, transitions and um, chameleon-like, you know, adaptabilities. Um, women are like the, um, the heroes of the sheroes of adaptability. Yeah. And we, we, we just, um, we have to do things when they feel right. Um, there's so many so many ways of feeling um peace in one's life there's there's no timeline what makes sense yeah and it's so humbling and human to be like oh i'm not where i thought i would be or oh wow i never thought i would do this yes. thing right I, but like right. i found that when i when i found myself feeling that way it could become a doorway to greater compassion for other people yes. And for yourself. And for, for myself. Yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding like, compassion for oneself is like so difficult. I think you're 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 definitely on the pathway towards that. I'm on the pathway towards that. Like how do you negotiate um, you know, mistakes and learnings, like quote unquote mistakes as learnings to becoming a better person? Yeah. yeah. And like feeling you can actually use that as a moment to feel connected to other people as opposed to feeling isolated in your own, like, oh, I'm the worst, or oh my gosh, I, I swore I would never do this. But you can actually, in that moment, like one of my most compassionate moments came after one of my, like, in a terrible moment um, where I felt like I had made a huge mistake. But I, in that moment, I just felt like, I genuinely felt like my heart cracked open. And I just felt this, like, desire to hug every other girl who had been, you know, in a similar position. And um, so that's something I think about too. When I, when I read that line, um, I think about how that moment of like, oh, I said I would never be this or never do this, or I thought I would be here and not here. There is your doorway to compassion that will make you more loving. Just period for yourself, for other people, just more loving. And more accessible too, right? Yeah. Because like it shows your humanity um, and it makes other folks say, again, this whole idea of me too, or I'm, I can connect with you because you're showing vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. Would you read one poem that speaks to that? I'm thinking like Fleekdom or... Um, oh, Fleekdom is a great one. That's, that's a good that's one for one it, I right? Yes. Okay, good. I never read Fleekdom. Um, I'm not really sure why, but um, this is, uh, it's one of my favorite poems in Wild Invocations. Okay, Fleekdom. I'll read the epigraph, which is fleek, adjective, slang, flawlessly styled, groomed, etc., looking great, perfect, flawless. Fleet them. You tell me I'm your liquid gold, flask pouring perfect courage down your beautiful throat. You're drunk on a woman's fearlessness. When I'm brave, a man is freed. Perfection is knowing I die alone, but cup my wild anyway onto your tongue. And when X after X marries, I ask, why do they get to be happy? 
if they had poured harder, longer, they would still miss my magic, flawless ache. Love, do I know what will happen when it's your turn to rub your hands over me, searching for divine cracks, and you find them? I love that you hearkened back to that. Yeah, that, that confusion of that transition, that growing up for girls, like that, how do you be an adolescent? How do you be in transition? And you know what I also f- love in these poems is uh, in addition to, to all those things that you just spoke to in terms of um, being fully human as a girl or as a woman, mm-hmm. you also give voice to like anger like, yes. like really, uh, um, like sacred rage and, yeah. and also hunger and something that resonates with me so much is that a lot of your poems about relationships with men who are in some way, not, not completely available, yes. um, really use hunger. Um, and just this, there's this, like this ravenous appetite. Um, in those poems that resonates with me so much. It's so funny that you say that because um, that poem, How to Unlearn Being a Princess, um, uh, one of the the people that I dedicated to is Tamara. And Tamara used to joke with me and say to me, um, if you don't have a body part in your poem, like it's not your poem. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty much like that's, uh, you know, like I always have like a mouth or a hand Mm -hmm. or like some sort of body part. Um, But um, uh, yes, there's definitely an appetite, uh, especially writing these poems. Um, I think that um, I was um, on and off again with a, a couple of dudes, a couple of different dudes um, during this period, a pretty long period of like dating emotionally unavailable men. And, um, you know, it was very difficult for me because I craved a partner. Um, I craved a partner who was available, who loved me completely and wholeheartedly. Um, and I also saw that in my parents, because my parents are like uh, 45 years plus going strong in their, mm. in their marriage. And um, I just have always admired my parents' relationship. And, um, and you know, I'm like, where's my uh, pot of gold? <laughs> yeah. I'm working hard here. Where's my pot of gold? Yep. And it just, um, so a lot of those poems, especially about the relationships, is just like... Um, it's not about them. It's about me. Um, it's about me finding that, that, that partner and that voice who will a hundred percent, um, be with me and stand with me in solidarity a hundred percent. And I'm grateful because, um, two years ago I found, um, a partner who, um, stands with me, loves me wholeheartedly. I mean, I am just like, I, 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 I waited it out and I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but, um, he is perfect for me. And I, I, you know, I, I just feel like, um, and you know, life is not perfect whatsoever. And these two years we've had so many hardships together. Um, we face so many hardships. Um, but it, it really was a testament to the relationship in that we've been able to, um, we've been able to, uh, stay strong and, and, and communicate and 
be honest with each other um, throughout the process. So that's, you know, I'm sure it's what the interesting part is that I, I don't have many poems about Chris, which I think maybe is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said that. It's so funny. I, I just actually re-listened to, I don't often, I don't usually re-listen to episodes of the podcast, but I recorded one last summer where um, my friend Lauren Roberts interviewed me and I, cause I was kind of like, it was around my birthday and I was like, where was I? Like, a year ago. Like I I kind of, I'm interested to hear where my mind was. And I said something about like how, um, being in like a loving relationship is like not great fodder for your poems. Like you got to find other content. (laughs) Like not that you can't, but the world is enough. (laughs) But that's a really good point. I feel like it is, it can be tough when you're feeling at, you know, at your core, peace i mean but you who who's to say you can't write about that too right Right. because like joy peace praising the um the world and yourself for for where you are and i that's 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 you know something that um uh a a great poet that i love um aiden limon once once shared with a group of us that Mundo was like there's not no there's not enough poems about friendship and and yeah. like joy and um and I just love that idea um about writing those things too it's 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 definitely I think we're not encouraged to as as like you know as as dramatic dark poets mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. to dip into that but that there are so many poets who write about joy um and do it well I'd love to get better at that. I mean, just mm-hmm. like, you know, not having to rely on heartache to, um, yes. to ignite my fire. <laughs> yes. I think because it's like, um, when there's like tension, there's like, I don't know, I, I find it easier to write like in some sort of tension. And like we were saying, it's not like any relationship is perfect. So there's a poem in there, but sure. it doesn't like, I don't know. It doesn't bust into the room in the same way. I feel yeah. like, and and well, I think our tension, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Right, right. And I also think I wonder too, like, uh, like with you and Chris, like, there's a certain privacy that you have and like a protection. I would imagine yeah. about that person in that relationship, where it's like you want it to be yours and protected and, and you want to protect that person and so like it is I think a, a much trickier thing That's as opposed to when you write about an ex-boyfriend that you're just like well he was a jerk uh, I mean yeah. you're like can't wait to get that yeah. on the page <laughs> but also at the same time you don't want to give it that yes pedestal that yes yes pedestal, yeah like that like thing not yeah worth that but that's so much that's so true because there's so many persona poems I want to write that Chris doesn't know, but I would love to write from his perspective because mm. he has such a rich history. I mean, just like his life journey is so, um, so rich with ta- like turns and twists and um, he has had to work so hard to get to where he is right now. Um, and I just, I, I admire it. So I, I, you know, maybe one day he'll, I'll ask for his permission to write a persona poem. Mm. I don't, I, I, but, but like you said, I'm so protective of it. It's like, it's not really my piece to write, but um, maybe one day he'll say, you know what, someone should write the story. And I'll say, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I love about when you talked about kind of writing from a persona too, and like being able to put parts of ourselves in poems is that mm. like, we have so many different parts of ourselves and like sometimes those parts are 
kind of like in conflict or in tension with each other. Like we have so many different wants and desires and needs and um, we have a more mature part of ourself and a more immature part of ourself. And like, it's so freeing to just be able to write a poem where that one part, you can just let that part out. And it doesn't mean that you have to even act on it. You can actually live vicariously through that part in the poem and be like, oh no, I don't have to do that thing. Right? It's like a play. And it's like a part of you is like a character and each character wants to come out and do their thing. I'm a Leo. So sometimes I want to like, you know, showcase the drama on the stage, <laughs> yeah. but like, but then also I, I, I'm July 23rd is my birthday. So I'm like, like on the cusp of cancer, yes. like I'm right there. So then there's a part of me that's just like, Oh, let's like, let's not be on stage and let's like chill out and like, let's just watch everybody else shine. So like, um, that's really interesting. What you're saying is like, they're, they're, definitely parts of us that are like they can't wait to be let out and we have to let them out if we yeah. if we keep them in the room they are just gonna eat us alive yep. so it's like uh, occasionally I, I i mean i love poetry as a vehicle for that like i think that vodka invocation is a great way of like hearkening to my wild side yeah especially now when i'm so like i've got a house i'm in the boonies in new jersey it's like it's a great way to celebrate aspects of me that still exist. Right. Sense. Yeah. I love that. And I also love what you were saying about how there's always like a body part in your poem. Yeah. Because I think especially like writers are often people who live in their heads a lot and like mm-hmm. use words and reading um, and writing as a way to like, like I just said, like it is important to to maybe be able to use that living vicariously or that Mm. fantasy, but it also is important to be embodied in the world and be in your body and not just in your head. And you can feel that in your poems. Like you can really feel it. And I, it made me think about how, you know, you write a lot about the specific body that you are in and, and how the world responds to you. And, and like, it, it makes me think about how, when we, when we talk about white supremacy, it's almost like white people, we can, we can act more like disembodied. Like, like we have the, the privilege and luxury of like forgetting, mm, if that makes sense. Like that. Because, because you, um, there's less, there's more blending. There's more like uh, every day, um, as opposed to the brown or black body that is like stands out, has a different, right, exactly. it has not the, 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 streamlined version or the streamlined uh, experience like on tv shows or music right. that is not the first experience that you see right it is like a sub you know a sub experience yeah which is how do we make it so that way um black and brown experiences are the default you know right like how instead of um i know my friend you know marina marina was talking about this recently like how do we make it so that way uh, we're not having to always say um black and brown what what, right what what happens if we just say woman and the first person we think of is a black or brown right right opposed to a white woman right how do we make that the default like that's i mean that's gonna take a real long time but (laughs) yeah but you know we gotta work towards it yeah, because there's like that double-edged sword of dis- disembodiment. Like there's the the luxury of the disembodiment. And there's also the like being cut off from, you know, or being unaware of your body is not 
not an ideal thing either. Um, like there's that beauty in, there's so much beauty in your embodiment. Like it's all mixed up together. The pain, the heartache, the, the, the danger, the beauty, the celebration, like all of it in this book. And the only way I've gone through this, this life is by celebrating the little wins, the big wins. I'm like, that is the only way I have gotten through. And And that also ties back to the partnership because the men that I had been dating were very, very, um, it was difficult for them to celebrate my victories, my successes. Mm. And I know why now, but, um, I'm with someone now who can celebrate and, um, and, and sometimes he, he raises, um, my successes before I even do. And he's yeah. like, Oh, you did this, you did that. And congratulations. And I'm like, Oh, really? Like, wow. Oh, you're right. Like, it, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, that is like, that for me is love. And I think like everyone should do that. Like the part of the group that I'm in with now, um, the women's group that I'm in now, I mean, I got to say everyone does that for each other. It's a very small group. We're each like, you, you know, empowering each other and, um, and like raising a glass to each success. And I think that's so important. Like if you do not have friends that, um, that do that for you, then it's, you gotta say goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I feel like I'd rather have a couple of people in, on my team, um, uh, that will be on my team as opposed to 10 or 20 folks that do not have my back. Yeah. Uh, Not to go down that road, but (laughs) But, no, but it's, it's important. Yeah. And it's like a true testament of a relationship is like, how do you repair when there's hurt and how do you celebrate each other? Yeah. That's such an important point. How do you, repa- like, how do you repair when, when someone's made a mistake? Yeah. Cause it's going to happen yeah. inevitably. But it helps the relationship grow. Maybe yeah. not like in that moment, right. but like, like further down the road, you're like, Oh, I can be real with this person. Right. You know? I mean, it's so difficult. I feel like um, families, especially, is so hard because um, that is you. That is not chosen. That is like these are your blood relatives. Yep. So yep. it's like, how do you engage in a very kind and loving way with folks that um, are your blood? It's so, and I know for you, your family is so important as, as are mine. So it's very difficult to have those, co- those hard conversations, especially with people that you love so much and you're going to see. <laughs> yep, exactly. See you have day. to, you have yeah. to face it. Yeah. That, oh, I, that's actually the perfect segue to, um, a question that I had about going back in the beginning, you know, I was saying there, there are so many ancestors and figures, important figures in this book from your, your family to your friends, to, you know, to wonder woman, (laughs) um, that, that you are kind of, I see like the, the inspiration you get from them, the, the guidance and the power that you get from them there's some loss there of the family you don't get to see all the time. Um, And there's also the beauty that you see in their strength and courage. I mean, the one line that stuck out to me so much, um, you say, 
Puerto Ricans really are amazing creatures, trading fantastic phosphorescent island bays for diving in dumpsters. So I'm just interested to hear you talk about like um, the connection that you have to your ancestors and yeah. to the place that your family has called home and, and um, what writing about those things, like how has that affected your relationship to your ancestors and your homeland? Yeah, um, well, the island of Puerto Rico is such a, a complicated, um, complicated story for me. I mean, it's a colony, first of all, I wanna say that. Um, it, it's, it's part of the United States, as some folks know. Um, I do want to say that it's challenging for me to engage with the island because, first of all, the island politics are so, it's so different for the people who live there. So it's, uh, I was just talking to Chris about this recently. It's, um, it's very difficult. I, I, I often um, hesitate to talk about Puerto Rican politics because I'm not from the island. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's fair for me to speak on behalf of people who actually have to live on the island. Um, um, not have to, but choose to live on the island and, um, and, and engage with politics in a different way than on the mainland. Um, the other challenging thing for me has been with my culture has been, I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I, I understand it. There are aspects of it that are very challenging for me. Um, so all that to say that um, it, as with, with many sort of um, uh, folks who, who straddle the borders, it is complicated for me. I love my culture so much. I love my island. I love my family. I love my ancestors. Um, I, I still work through... Um, a lot of things. Like, for example, uh, recently I wrote a poem um, called Colonized or Colonizer because there's so much um, rich culture in, in the Puerto Rican culture of the Spanish um, and the Taino and the African all rolled up into mm. one culture. And so like this idea of light-skinned Puerto Ricans and how do I engage with my own privilege and, you know, colonize, colonizer, how, like, how do I engage with, um, with rights for, you know, people of color and, and in the nonprofit world and in my life and stand up in solidarity with Black Lives Matter movement, um, but also pay tribute, pay homage to the Black women who came before me and did all the work link all the foundation and how do i really um you know uh pay respects to that and um you know so it's like it's so um it's so challenging because um you know as a light-skinned puerto rican um it's 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 so complicated i think that um you know i i I feel like um, I feel like I have to work doubly hard um, as a as a uh, light skinned Puerto Rican woman um, in in pro providing space and voice for all folks, especially for Black, Indigenous, uh, Latinx folks, um, creating more opportunities, more spaces for them to thrive and shine. Um, so just thinking a lot about that and my work, um, the work that I have to do, um, for other Latinx voices that are, you know, 
that may not um, that may not really have the same opportunities that I'm privileged to have. So it's so I, I like I said it's like it's um, you know there's like sub layers that I that I'm working through right now in my life. Um, I think that. Um, my ancestors are leading the way. My ancestors continue to lead the way and light the way for me. Um, but I think there's just so much work that I still have to do um, internally. There's so much work that I have to do on behalf of my community. There's so much work that I have to do in stepping aside for Black and Indigenous uh, women of color um, and Latinx voices, Black Latinx voices. Um, I feel like there's just so much heavy lifting I still need to do and learn um, as far as my culture, as far as my people, as far as the community. Um, I, um, that's where I'm at right now. I think if you would have asked me several years ago, I would have um, given a much more, a simpler answer about my ancestors. But like, I feel like um, I'm charged. I'm charged with a lot more work. Mm. Um, and I, I think turning 42 is like another light bulb off of my head. Like, so just thinking about all those things, I think there's a lot of milestones I've just hit too that are making me think about what are my next milestones that I'm going to challenge myself, um, um, to think about, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a complicated answer to your, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like another, it kind of speaks to that idea of that another type of transition. It's like, you know, maybe there's a transition at a certain threshold of growing up. And this is like another layer or level of that, like a different transition into more of like, oh, I'm, I'm joining the ranks of, you know, like. Like just mature yeah. adulthood or yeah. whatever. I yeah. don't know. But you're absolutely right. There's something really special about the moment that I'm in because now I don't know if it's I mean, I know there's gotta be literature out there. I know there are women writing it, but um I maybe I need to start thinking about getting my hands on more reading about it because mm. from those perspectives. Because um you're right, this is a very special, a special like um kind of transition that I'm in. Um, I, I should definitely, um, read some voices on it. There's a, well, okay. So he's a white man, but, um, <laughs> this, uh, Franciscan, uh, Richard Rohr, who I just really like, I think he's, I think he's a special person, but he has a book called Falling Upwards, um, a spirituality for the second half of life. And Ooh. it's kind of, and he says, you know, like the second half of life isn't necessarily uh, correlated with like your age, but it's about kind of what you're describing of like, Ooh. oh, I've uncovered this like next level, deeper layer of, it's not just, and everything doesn't fit into these neat boxes that I might've yes. thought once. Yes. And I don't even fit into the neat box yes. I might've thought once. And it's powerful. It's not a super long book, but um, I really enjoyed that book. I, I kind of want to reread it, but I feel like it could, I mean, I, yeah. there's so many others too, but that's maybe one for the, oh, for the pile too. It, it makes me think about the poem you have, Invocation for the Odd Woman Out. Does that yes. resonate with you in terms of what you're talking about right now um. at all? <laughs> Is there one in the book that resonates for you with what you're, what you're feeling at the moment that you would share? Yes. Um, oh, this one always, I always, the last poem in the book, it always, I feel like I always hold it close to me because 
I it still can't I still literally carry the memory in my mind and this poem is about transition so um invoking Asavache martyred mother pin me close to la figa and Asavache fist full of a peaking thumb how the amuleto came to be is this tia sola did not only make sancocho in Puerto Rico, she had a room on the side where she pulled a memory placed in my mind to run a backward timeline. I see her pressed palms now pushing back against cracked recollections. A cigar smoke spell seeped from her lips into mommy's nostrils as a translation was made. I believe, I believed. My next bath was filled with red and white carnation petals perched upon oil spilled waters. My first mistake was I did not dip my head under, fearing it would wipe my English clean. My second was that once dressed, I refused to wear Santa Barbara's sword hidden in my breast unless a white boy find it. I changed, I changed. Granules slow and hourglasses, time warps, and my Americana praise plays out, a smoky lens streaming summer's sun. I cling close to a melting mirror, something off a Dali canvas, watching my brown face dribble then meld into white as if for God's play. I change back to my origin, morph into smooth jet fossil, healing, hailing like cosmic showers, power-soaked asabache, cloaked in forbidden faith, scolding scepter in my borinkin grasp, I will last. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. And I feel like that poem is definitely about change, morphing, transition, transformation. It kind of brings me to my the last question I usually ask people, which I feel like this often happens, like we've kind of touched on it, but I always like to ask, what is something that you're learning about or growing into right now? I, I feel like you did kind of speak to that, but is there, yeah. is there anything else you want to say about that? Well, I think it's, it's a lot. It's growing into also being a partner. Um, <laughs> you know, this is um, someone that I've uh, I purchased a home with, that I love and who loves me. So growing into that is really, really um, exciting for me right now. Like growing into um, like a stable, loving relationship. I think that we've talked about this. This is like the time, the time to go and fly because I feel so secure so much like that there's a net beneath me that I feel like now is my time to really do some um some flying some be brave and you know I don't believe necessarily being fearless but I do believe you know holding having courage in the face of fear and I feel like um now is really the time for me to do that because I've got such a support network Mm. Um, which I'm really, really grateful for. Um, so I, now I can do some even heavier lifting. Uh, you know, I'm excited. The poems that I'm gonna that's gonna come out of this. Um, you know, and um, and just what's 
what's um, next in store for me. So growing into that, this partnership has really, has really been important for my own, my own centering, you know. I love hearing you talk about how that having those roots actually allows you to grow upward and outward instead of like, oh, I'm seeing it as something holding you back. It's something right. that actually allows you to flourish. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. Thank you so much for yes. having this conversation. I'm so grateful um, for our friendship, for our, our colleagueship. Um, you know, we're, we learn a lot from each other, and I, I appreciate our, our, um, our relationship. I'm incredibly grateful. I think you've been really important for my growing up journey and continue to be so. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit the Moon by Paul Finn.